Yes, you are. Yes, on a Monday. Happy MLK Day. Let's get Sherry in here, John Early Sherry Elliker Show. Here she is. She works hard for the money. So hard for the honey. This is a, a little different than the uh, strong woman theme, don't you think? Um, Given the you, nature you of com- the song. You complaining? No, I, observation <laughs> only. That's all. Just, just... Thinking about you know, it. you work hard for the money. It's not that you complain about the money. All right? No, that, that's I, not a lyric in the song. Uh, no, it's not a lyric. <laughs> Here we go, Dabby. I struggle every day. I got to come up with new music for you. And then you're like, picky, 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 No, I, I just, I, I. I'm going to find one song of, and settle on it. That's a good idea. Okay. Yeah, we did that for the longest time, and then you wanted more variety. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> now I feel bad. Joe no. screwed me up. Joe screwed up. Like at the, at the meeting at 1 o'clock, he's like, did you realize today's the most depressing day of the entire year? Joe Mama. <laughs> right? Remember that? That's what they say. Yeah. Yeah, that's what the experts say. Why are you feeling bad? Yeah, then it, I wasn't thinking that way, and then all of a sudden, after he said it, it just to this sort of gloom just fell over top of me. This malaise, this—I uh, <laughs> know—I gotta get well, out of it now. Yeah, you gotta snap out of it. I know somebody that would help you snap out of it. I think it's our next guest. Oh, you—you—you you, you think Todd Myers stopping by talking about PSE and and uh, green energy is going to do something for me? I do. We can try. We have to wait just ten more seconds because I have to have the song end before I can play the next cut. Oh, okay. So depressing. Let's see, five, One, oh, four, four, three, three. It's such advanced system I have here. I wish I could say it's frozen. Here we go. All right, boy, Todd Myers can't win for losing. Put something up on his Twitter, his ex about you know. Uh, energy use, then people give up. Oh, you, yeah, you're, you just don't like wind. And then he puts something up, and this goes, you're just shilling for wind. Yeah, you, you get batted about all time. All the everybody gets you from one place, one or the other. Todd Myers. By the way, what happened over the weekend that everybody was so upset about is the fact that letters went out from PSE to emails to customers saying, please reduce your power. Uh, yes. Because it doesn't happen very often, and people don't know how to do it. And you know, uh, I, look, I am an iconoclast. I will do the opposite of what people tell me. So I appreciate people who say, <laughs> you know, you need to you need to save energy, and then they say, screw you, I want to do what I want. But um, uh-huh. yeah, uh, it was it was there was a shortage, and I don't know that the grid was in danger. I don't know that we were in danger of blackouts, but. You know, those those warnings were sent out for a reason, and people should do it because, and ultimately, do it because it will save them some money. And how many people actually uh, listened and behaved themselves and obeyed the great PSE? Uh, I think it's hard. And, of course, I mean, PSE is the one who sent it out, but it's not yeah. really PSE's fault that this happened. Um, it is... Uh, Mother Nature's fault because temperatures were very low and people were cold, and it is Mother Nature's fault because wind, the amount of wi- energy generated by wind basically went down to almost zero. So you have lots of people wanting more electricity, and wind power is producing less, and so you start to put strain on the grid, and 
Puget Sound Energy says, hey, maybe, you know, don't charge your electric car. Don't wash your clothes right now. Um, so that that was why what happened is, is that yeah. um, there was that mismatch. Yeah, but I thought uh, there seemed to be some, I don't know if it was really discontent or suspicion or whatever, but they didn't mention the fact that the Jackson Prairie Underground Natural Gas Storage Facility had uh, had an outage. Yeah, so I looked at so I looked at a couple of things. So John asked, you know, did people respond? And and I looked at the numbers, and if they did, it was pretty modest in terms of reducing demand. But the other question is the one you raised, which is the the natural gas facility. Um, and we do see the amount of natural gas electricity on the Northwest Grid decline, uh, mm. uh, but the amount of wind that disappeared was greater than the loss of natural gas energy. So that certainly didn't help. There's no doubt about it. But the increase in demand because it was cold and the loss of wind are both greater than the natural gas. So the natural gas, you know, situation contributed, but I, I think it was sort of a third factor. So the question is, is that we see what happened over the weekend. What are sort of the harbingers of things to come when it comes to green energy? Are we prepared? I know we're supposed to get rid of natural gas and PSE, and that's going to go away because it's not zero, net zero on that. So we're going to stop putting natural gas in homes and commercial areas. And it's a, a lower, obviously, as you, I've read your stuff, I talked to you about lower than coal when it comes to CO2 emissions, um, but they want to get rid of it and then replace it with, Hydro, electric, and or hydro, wind, and solar, would those be our three options? And as you say, get mad at Mother Nature when it's not sunny or it's not windy. What do we have to replace the energy? Well, you know that my job is basically to, to identify harbingers. So thank you for asking the question. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think there's a couple of things. The first one is that if you you know, energy demand is increasing. So even if we don't get rid of dams um, or natural gas, we're still going to need more electricity. And if you supply that with intermittent sources like wind and solar, um, you're going to have situations like we've had in the past couple of days where there's basically no wind. And it's not just no wind in eastern Washington. It's literally across the whole Bonneville Power Administration area, three-state area. And then I also mm-hmm. looked at Montana, and Montana has had no wind for a couple of days. So we can't even turn to them for additional electricity. So you have to understand that situations where it's very hot and very cold, when it's very still, you're going to, you'd better be prepared to make up that loss of electricity. The second thing is, is that I think people need to be more engaged and need to be given more power um, uh, about electricity that they're using, given price signals, say, hey, you know, we're paying a lot right now for electricity. Can you conserve? Basically, right now, the way rates are set is, is that the utility and the state get together and make a decision and everybody else has to live with it. We need people to get more involved so that when we have high demand, um, that they can conserve and save money and then, you know, make it so that we're not so reliant on intermittent sources like wind. 
So you're saying if they send out a signal, hey, everybody, reduce the amount of energy you're using. And if you do that, we'll give you a little Benny. We'll maybe give you a discount next time when it's a lower demand. But in this case, I think if I got one of those emails, I would read it. I'd be like, screw you. I'm already paying. You're charging me more than you paid me last year. And it's cold outside. Mm -hmm. Generate the energy that I'm paying for. And I'm not going to reduce. So intentionally kind of going the opposite rather than, hey, everybody, all in so that we can reduce the, the amount of energy that we're using, I would think most people would say, no, I'm not going to reduce. I'm paying you. Provide the energy for me. Right. But electricity, yes. And as I said, I, I have sympathy for that attitude because yeah. I, I share it. Uh, but let's say you were deciding to dry your clothes. Instead of driving your, drying your clothes at six or seven, right when demand is highest, you dry it at nine when demand has gone down. Right? That's probably not a great inconvenience, but that does... Right reduce total demand at the at the very moment when it is most expensive. So I think those sorts of people need to understand that those sorts of less obtrusive decisions can be made, help create grid stability and reduce their bills. But do you think, Todd, that people need motivation like like John pointed out? You know, if there are a lot of people there say, hey, I need my clothes dry at 730 because I need to wear them. So I don't care what you say. It, would it help if there would be some sort of incentive given to follow along and be part of the collective that would do this to help? Uh, absolutely. That's I think that, you know, if you ask people what is a kilowatt hour cost, they don't know. And the more transparent we can make that so that then people can say, oh, I'm, you know, if I wait two hours, I will save this amount of money. And then they can mm -hmm. make that decision for themselves. They can say, nope, I need to do it now. Or yes, I can wait a few hours. Um, but we don't, our system is not set up like that. Our system is frankly very paternalistic. And when people become accustomed to a paternalistic system and, so, and then, you know, the utility asks them to do something, they perceive it in a paternalistic way. And they have the reaction that you and I are talking about. If right. you say, okay, people, look, you're, you have control, you can control your, you know, your expenses, and here's what the rates are, then people can make those decisions without, you know, in a way that actually is in their own best interests. Got it. Mm -hmm. Todd Myers? Yes, sir. Todd, thank you. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> it always stuns people. Scott Simon does that all the time on NPR. He'll say, Scott Simon? He'll say, uh, Todd Myers? And then the person goes, yes. And then you go, thank you. But I try it, and it, it fails every time. Try it again. Todd Myers? Is he still there? Oh, it's even so. worse. I'll yeah. do it with you. <laughs> okay. Sherry Elliker? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Don't, don't hang up, that? Sherry. Don't hang up. All right. Okay. All right. Huh? Oh, I mean, I've been talking to the guy, and then you say his name randomly. How are they supposed to respond? Well, they always oh, go, that's yes. That's a great and question. Then... That's asked myself that <laughs> every day. <laughs> I, I like the fact that this happened in Oklahoma City, very conservative city, and they really don't tell you, the guy that they go to doesn't really report on anything that they're reporting on because they just don't want to say what it is. Watch this in the story. This is Fox 25 in Oklahoma City. So someone's dropping, I guess you'd call them marital aids. Mm -hmm. 
But what's great about this story, I think, the best part, is that at the yeah. end of it, the comments that he reads, I would have thought there would be a mix of this is obscene and this is oh, disgusting yeah. and whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The people are very excited by it. Right. They love it. Here's what happened. Here's what happened. <laughs> best thing it ever happened. This is the best thing that ever happened in Oklahoma City. A string of adult toys left on buildings, light poles, even the water tower in Moore have the whole town talking. One man said he saw a drone leave one side of the Walmart near Southwest 19th and South Telephone. in a. Oh, I know that Walmart. <laughs> video posted yesterday and that is where we find fox 25's tom ferguson tonight so tom any word on who is behind this adam and wendy at last update police had no idea now there were a couple of those objects stuck to some of the light posts behind me but crews took them down just this afternoon in today's toy story one man took this picture of one of the toy objects story. stuck to the side of the walmart by the way, they blurred out all the objects and then drew big red circles around the blurred out area. <laughs> here's another that one woman saw on the south telephone light pole. And here And by the way, it's also blurred out with a big red circle here's around. What was it. left on the more water tower? Same there. Residents also reported sightings near Southwest 119th and Western. Nothing another to one. see here, just a blur out thing. That was where a wild turkey that caught the town's attention. Okay, this seems like <laughs> unnecessary diversion. Yeah. That, that, then he goes to video of a wild turkey. ...used to hang around before reportedly being hit by a car and killed in October. Oh by mid-afternoon on Thursday... <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> That's my favorite Wait, Walmart. Like I'm really bummed. <laughs> they, like, this is where they saw the object, a marital aid, right? And, Some type and, of thing, right? Okay. And, oh, by the way, that's also where Turkey used to walk around <laughs> until last year. And one day we saw a paper cup there. And another right. day. <laughs> and, uh, uh, apparently that blew away. So okay, hold on. President saw crews taking the objects at 19th and telephone down. Here's a video one woman shared with us. Hundreds of comments on Facebook show this has everyone talking. One woman commented, whoever is doing this is my hero. Turned my boring Wednesday into a spicy scavenger hunt. A man said, this is the greatest thing to happen to this town. But is this legal? What consequences? Is it legal? <laughs> dropping, <laughs> dropping dildos from a drone on the... On the wow, that is such a good question. I, I, I was really surprised that the anchors held it together. Nobody even cracked a smile. They were so okay. professional. But is it legal, Sherry? That's the question. <laughs> responsible face. According to police, the decision to file charges won't be made until they've contacted whoever put them up. A statement read oh. in part, the Moore Police Department does not condone the actions of this individual and finds the prank inappropriate. And police are investigating this incident. Live and more, Tom Ferguson, Fox 25 News. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> they never really said what it was, just the, it was a prank. And stuff. Subject. By, by the way, how big are these that they're being seen on light poles as people are driving by? I don't think we're talking, uh, the, the problem isn't the size, it's the volume of them. That, oh, look, there's another one, and another one, and another one. I think it's the repeat action of, and how are they holding them up? That's the other thing. What? How are they attaching them? to things without them falling over. I think they're the, the ones that have the suction cup on one side, so like, if you threw it at a refrigerator, it would stick. <laughs> you know what I mean? What? What? <laughs>
You know it is, Sherry. Yeah, you get sure. all randy and then you throw it at the refrigerator. Yeah, yeah. Suction cup? Google it. Okay. <laughs> we'll they wait. stick onto walls, you know. Yeah, oh, you know. I, I, boy. <laughs> I am on, really Sherry. living a sheltered life. Come on. Say hotsy totsy. Hotsy totsy. There you go. All right. I'll let you look it up during the break. Okay. And then there's a thing, uh, what you can do with your partner, where you throw it at the refrigerator. It's a thing people do. <laughs> Wild word Look that up. Yeah, look, okay. Look it up. Here we go with the John Curley Sherry Elliger Show. We have no water here, Sherry. We learned pipes froze two days ago, so we've been just uh, boiling... Or heating snow, hmm. and then li- living off of that. Uh, you didn't have any. No. Yes. Not? Okay. Uh, I <laughs> smell bad. Okay. Is that what you wanted to ask? No. 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 Go I ahead. Go ahead. No. 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 I. Okay. I. I. I got it. Thank. Thank you for waving your underarm odor towards the camera. <laughs> I wish it was smell-o-vision, and then I could yes. tell you exactly what it smells oh, like. Bad. Yeah, it was uh, minus 5 degrees uh, Friday, uh, Saturday, got up to about 3 degrees. Right now it's about 10 degrees in Cleelum. Very, 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 very cold. Not How long wind, before they can uh, fix your or sunshine your pipes? Situation. They're not going to fix it. They just get, then was going to come out and fix frozen pipes. Just wait till things warm back up again. So uh-huh. just uh, just dealing with the – that's part of it. But I like it. To me, in fact – you know, we've got the little, uh, got the little pond, the little lake out here, and then I've got that uh, chapel. So I said to Nick, we're going to walk across the ice, go into the little chapel, put the inflatable bed in there. We're going to spend the night inside the chapel with a, a heater and uh, just see, just survive the night out in the little playhouse. Wait, don't, don't you have heat in the big house? There's heat in the big house, but it'd be more fun to kind of just see what it'd be like to sleep in the little tiny little chapel. See, I, like yesterday, a friend of mine told me that they went snow camping. I'm like, what is that? Well, that's you just go into the mountains and then dig a hole where the snow is. You get underneath in the snow where it's warmer. You set up a tent, you get all bundled up, and you just stay there. Maybe build a fire or something like that. To me, this is a bit – you want to experience the cold. You, you definitely want to experience it. Just it's part of – you know, that's what winter is, as opposed you, to just being curled up inside. Can you use a, um, thank you. Okay, I smell it. Um, can you um, <laughs> drive a car or is, or is it impassable? No, you're fine driving cars around here. So why don't you just drive into town and buy some water? <laughs> <laughs> that's the perfect question. I, it really is the perfect question. That would be job so, one for me. Just Let's just go so, buy some water. Like at a store, like a or, bunch of water at a store. But what about just taking big handfuls of snow and putting it in a pot and heating it up? Well, I guess huh? so, but that's a lot more work, and it takes a lot of snow to get enough water, especially. What What about just independently trying to combine both oxygen and and uh, hydrogen on my own? <laughs> Two parts, one part, make my own water. Oh, yeah. Well, lots of people are very successful at that. So I'm sure you could make it work. <laughs> okay. So first of all, number one is just get a big thing of snow and just put it in a pot, heat it up, or try to 
combine hydrogen and oxygen together at the right amount in order to make my own but water. An entire or, or, pot of or go to a store and buy, <laughs> buy so an entire pot of snow probably makes enough for a cup of coffee. Or you could just go to I the store. You, I tell you, you put water, you put snow in a pot, it sucks. I mean, there right now, it's. I should go to the store, but I really want to experience it just like the store is only a mile and a half away. And the fact that you brought it up really just burst the whole bubble of the experience of being here in the cold, Sherry. You're like, why don't you just go to the store and buy water? Because putting it in a pot and experiencing it and then realizing, wow, look at this crap that's left. Because a lot of it is dust. Did you know that? Yeah. Most snow is like 90-some percent. I think it's well, like a lot also, of human hair and toenails or something. Oh, do you want to eat? Do you want to eat what's come from the sky? Is that like some <laughs> lyric from a Moody Blues song or something? Huh? No, it's just eat there's a lot of pollution. Oh, okay. All right. Um, anyway, that's the latest here at the, at the club at the barn. And by the way, today is also the anniversary. 35 years ago today, I went on the air for the very first time as a weatherman in Grand Junction, Colorado, KJCT. And every year I always call Mike Moran, the guy that hired me, took a chance on me when I had absolutely zero experience, knew nothing about the weather, was a complete and utter just bomb on the air for like two weeks, but he stuck with me. So after the show tonight, I know he's watching the Buffalo game because he's a big fan of Buffalo. I'll call him as I do every single year for the last 35 years and thank him for hiring me. Thank him for taking a chance on me. We did it live on the air last year, sure. Remember, he's like, oh, hey, John, how are you? Good to, good to hear you. Yeah. So how are you doing now? And he, he's a nice guy, but he's not, exact, he's not exactly the most exciting call. So I thought I would, you know, not have everybody have me listen, have them have to listen to Mike Moran say, oh, it's good, John. Well, you know, it was good hiring you 35 years ago. <laughs> Right. Did you, did you remember that I remember last year? Him. Oh, yeah. He's a really nice man. He was a very nice man, very supportive. Um, yep. But good guy, as as he, uh, TV yeah, guys he, go. He, very nice. And he's like, <laughs> well, John, you had a lot of talent. I could see that. And, you know, look at, look where you are now. Yeah. I'm in my basement eating <laughs> up handfuls of snow. Um by the way, I was telling somebody the story yesterday about getting the job and having no experience and then having the map because nobody knew how to change the map. You know, it's a small town, small television stations. No one knew how to work the computer to change the maps to put up different forecasts. They said, well, call this guy that used to do the job. So I call him up. And that's when he yelled at me over the phone because he was drunk. Yeah. Hit command F5. I said, oh, command F. He goes, yeah, F is in go blank, blank yourself. And then he hung up the phone. So no one told me how to change the map. So my first day doing weather on this day, 35 years ago, I was showing Wednesday's forecast, Sherry. And Wednesday was two days earlier. So I'm showing a Wednesday when it was actually Thursday. No, it was, yeah, I was showing a Wednesday map when it was actually <laughs> Thursday. And I couldn't change the map. So I just kept talking about. So as you can see, this is what it was like yesterday. And, hey, wait, uh, what, what city was this in? Grand Junction, Colorado. So it doesn't really change that. I mean, it's, it's Colorado in January. They change the days, though, Sherry. They change the day from Wednesday uh, to Thursday. They do mark those days. Oh, okay. So that you can't just have just up there today. So it said Wednesday. So it goes, so this is what it looked like yesterday with the sun and uh, some clouds and, and stuff. I actually said and stuff. Um, so that's um, there's. And here are the highs. And I took the clicker. And I clicked it once and didn't realize there was a delay. And I clicked it again. I realized the delay. And then I 
pointed the clicker at the at the TV camera. I'm sure people at home are like, "What the hell?" So I hit the button, and then it changed. I go, and here here are the high temperatures. These are the uh, these were the these are the this is the hot these this is the hot temperatures from yesterday. And uh, that's the forecast, Monica. Back to you. And that was my first. Uh, I wish I could find that tape. Sure, I think you'd really enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, I wish you would too. <laughs> and then the next day, because nobody was there to tell me how to change the map, I showed Wednesday again. It's uh, who finally came to your rescue. The the guy that put the system in from Colorado Springs, Colorado, drove out to help me on Monday to show me how to work the Cavorus. That was the name of the system. If not, I just kept showing Wednesday's map. I showed Wednesday on Thursday, and I showed Wednesday on Friday. I'm sure the people at home are like, wow, this guy's really got Wednesday down. Be nice if he actually forecasts something <laughs> as opposed to doing like a history lesson as opposed to a science lesson of what is to come rather than what was two days ago. Well, I think you've so sad, won over the, the hearts and minds of, uh, of uh, the Colo- Coloradoans. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they found you That's... charming. Now, as I walked into the uh, little tiny room there in Grand Junction, Colorado, where they had the little computer set up, which I didn't have to work, my, uh, my wife, my first wife, Paula, was sitting there, and I turned as I came around the corner, and she spun around in this chair, and her face was as white as a sheet and she looked at me and said can you get your can can do you think you can get your old job back (laughs) (laughs) why did you bring her to work yeah good question because she was the reason that she was the person that told me that i could actually succeed in this so she came with me she flew all the way out from philadelphia she stayed with me for the week and was there to encourage me, but she had no idea how horrible I would be on the air. And she just was in the little room watching. And when I said to her, why was it, why was it so bad? Why was it so bad? And she goes, because you were pointing the clicker at the, at the camera. You were like pointing it at the camera. Like, and, and you had this look on your face, this horrible desperation. And you kept saying not high temperatures, but hot numbers and stuff like that. And you were just like pointing to clouds and you didn't know what you're doing. And it's, and you're showing Wednesday. I'm like, how about something positive? Yeah. Give me something positive. She goes, your hair looked good. I said, well, I'll take it. I'll take that. <laughs> Your hair looks great today, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Because 35 years later, still has good ha- you still have good hair. Anyway, so that's, um, I should call Mike Moran uh, off the air and thank him again for my big break into showbiz. Took a $120,000 pay cut to get into TV. Why, why don't you call your ex-wife, too, <laughs> and say, hey, remember 35 years ago when you said I wasn't going to make it? Ha-ha, you're right. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Take that. Yes. Click, Missy, click. Yeah, yeah, telling me I can't do the clicker. Yeah, come on now. All right, here's what we're going to do. Nate's going to check traffic. I'm going to go get a big handful of snow and make myself some pasta. All right? <laughs> okay. Here we are. The John Curley Sherry Elliker Show. Teeny Tiny is in today. Looking good, Tini. She's going to get that letter of the day. All you got to Hello, Tini. Say hi to her, Sherry. She's in a great mood. Oh, hey, Tini. I'm sorry you're not depressed today like the rest of us. 
She doesn't want to do with that. She doesn't want to do with that. Hello, Susan. There you go. Boom, right on you. Oh, boy, Susan. Okay, it's Sherry. Critics' Choice Awards, uh, Robert Downey Jr. decided after he got an award that he would mention some of the critiques, some of the reviews that he's gotten in his And the Critics' Choice is... Yes? Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. You know, I was just thinking this morning, I just, I love critics. Um, (laughs) That's all I think about. The, uh... So the Critics' Choice Association, you know, they've given me such beautiful uh, feedback, really. Just so many great moments, and some of it's so poetic. I just want to share some of their thoughts with you over the year. The first one's kind of like haiku. Um, Sloppy, messy, and lazy. The next one's more metaphoric, like Pee Wee Herman emerging from a coma. This was from a Brit, a puzzling waste of talent. And uh, lastly, and this one lingered, um, amusing as a bedlocked fart. Um, Andrew, Andrew, oh, there it is, I knew it, yeah, thank you. Yeah, I, I just want to say honestly to our my Oppen homies, uh, every. Then he goes on to thank everybody from Oppenheimer. It's weird. It's like okay, if the, you don't like the critics because they criticize you when you they don't like your work, but then when they give you an award, you accept the award. It's kind of odd that way, don't you think? Well, not only that, it just shows his narcissism. I mean, the awards, the the acceptance speech is supposed to be an opportunity for you to show gratitude to people that have been there for you, helped you, whatever, whether it's your parents or your coworkers or whatever. And he, of course, just had to talk about himself even more. I mean, I oh, guess... come on. It was... <laughs> oh, <laughs> it Sherry. Was funny, right? <laughs> wow. It was... If come it wasn't on. him, he's just so... And listen, teeny, he was... Teeny, gr- teeny, 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 stop it, stop it. Stop he it, was teeny. great in Oppenheimer. Sorry. He's really talented. He deserved that award. But just... He's just so smug or something. <laughs> Wow. I don't know. But don't you like it's it's like a comeback story. He's an actor. He's in jail. He had addiction problems. Yes. He turned it yeah. around. Now Who he's... hasn't? I mean, just like... <laughs> wow. Jeez. Just... Wow. You it's know what's sort of strange about critics though? The, the weird thing about critics is like, but they're not doing it. Like if they could do it, it they're so critical. If they could do it, why wouldn't they act? If they could do other stuff. It, um and I used to give Tom a hard time about it because Tom was critiquing various movies. But people always turn to the critic and go, well, what do you think of that? Like, what makes the critic the person that somebody should listen to? Should well, I, you know what I mean? I, yeah, but I, I think they I think they offer a perspective that another actor can't because another actor is going to see it through the eyes of acting and probably the effort that it took from that perspective. Whereas a critic is looking for all kinds of different things. They are looking for performance. They're looking for the level of entertainment. They're looking for all the other things that that uh, go into a movie. And so I do think they have a, a, an interesting perspective. I agree. It's kind yeah. of a great job. Just yeah, around, you know, talk about may I may I read from Theodore Roosevelt's critic, the critique <laughs> of the critic. Yes. 
It's not the critic who counts. It's not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer's deeds could have done better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena, whose face is marred with dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who heirs who come short again, though no other renown to be got. For no victory, no defeat. Okay. That's very interesting. There's a young he fails, at okay. least he fails daringly, greatly, so his place shall never, ever, ever be, cold and timid souls who never know, vagary, or what, what was that last word? Or defeat. All right. Don't critique. Thank you, Andrew. It was longer, but I got lost halfway through, so I just started making noises. <laughs> no, that sounded no. Like words. <laughs> no, I didn't notice. <laughs> Think anybody else did? No, of course not. No, they, they're subtitles. It's fine. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes, I, I, I. We can still smell your, you know, un, unbathed body. How long is that gonna last? Say, you have really thrown me off today, really. When you, I, when I'm telling you about me melting snow, and you're like, why don't you go to the store and buy water? Okay, I don't know which is worse, <laughs> that you haven't done that already, or that it didn't occur to you that that's what you should do. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm focused on survival right now, Sherry. Okay. Just, survival is a mi- trip myopic. A, a mile down the road. That's survival. That's it. You don't need to eat polluted snow or drink it. It's going to make it not feel special if I'm not melting my own snow. <laughs> and, okay. Well, then. And bottling my own waste products. 